Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, buddy. Welcome. Why am I telling you welcome? Uh, Hello. How are you? (laughs) Hi, <laughs> What's up, guys? How are you? Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for liking and subscribing to the Hollywood Raw podcast. Dax, good to see you, buddy. Uh, we got a good one today. Uh, Dean Kane is on today's episode. Uh, Dean's one of those guys who I constantly run into New York because he's always kind of stopping in and doing Fox News, and I would kind of be waiting outside Fox News to talk to Dean. And I got to be honest with you, he's one of those guys who's always so cool. Like, you got to... For, it's not easy just to turn around, there's a camera in your face. But Dean's one of those guys who I used to start to just throw a camera in his face, and he would never even flinch. He would just talk to me. But now I kind of got into that thing with Dean, like, hey, Dean, can I just talk to you for a minute real quick and ask for permission? And he'd be like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I can ask him whatever question, and he would always answer. And I could ask him very tough questions, and he would always answer. And I always respect that. Like, he would answer some of the hardest questions I'd feel very nervous to ask, but I think the key for me is to not come from uh, a perspective or an opinion, but just to lay out a question that's non-biased and let him answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I'm, but he's just always been so well, good to me. I was gonna say beyond that, I, I I feel like he has one of the best reputations out there. Everyone says he's the nicest guy. He's so kind. He's fun. Like, but I think for our podcast in in general, I think that because he's kind of done a little bit of everything. He's done the actor side, obviously, because he was Superman on the Lois and Clark show for four seasons. But he's done the hosting. I mean, you see him on, like, the Today Show. You see him on Fox all the time. He's been a producer. He's been an athlete. I mean, he was in the NFL. He's just kind of done a little bit. He's done it all. He's done literally, like, when we say he's done it all, he's actually done it all. He's done it all. so and you know the crazy part is about him is like when you look at him, he still looks amazing. Like he's not, he doesn't look stressed out. He looks, yeah. he's a, he's a, you know, he's he's got some good genes in him, man. I'm telling you, you put, you can't when you put a little anybody who's like mixed race always look great, right? You right. should, Dax, you should have just had, you should have. Well, your kids are a little bit mixed. Hey, we got we got we're a little mixed here. We got, I'm telling got you, that Latina from my wife and uh, mixed are always good looking people, just man. The pale white skin from me. <laughs> <laughs> that just burns, doesn't even tan. It's horrible. Um, it's great. But, but before listen, we get to Dean, let's yes! uh, let's give out one of our autographs because that's what we've been doing. Obviously, we've been running the easiest competition ever. All you got to do, go to our face or our Facebook, go to our uh, iTunes page, leave a comment, leave a review. Hopefully, it's a five star review. Leave us something cool, and then we just read one. We that's literally all we do. We read one. Whoever we read, um, we'll give you an autograph, and we've been teaming up with Autograph City and Primetime Signatures, and they've got a a really cool Facebook page and a a website, and they've got basically every autograph on the planet that you could ever want from athletes, superstars, action heroes, God, just about everything, right? Everyone, man. It's insane. Their catalog is just incredible. It's such like a fun... It's just a fun site to go to and like kind of like, man, if I had tons of space, I'd put this, this, this there. What things you want. It's just and it's secret, so cool. Secretly, Adam is hoping that no one wins this so that he gets to keep the stack <laughs> yeah. of autographs at home because he was looking through telling me some of the names. Wait, 
And uh, I'm like, damn, dude, like they hooked us up. And, well, actually, they hooked you guys up. So here, here's uh, here's this week's person. Uh, it's by X Debrax. And uh, you know what? They actually came from Autograph City. Said, Thanks for teaming up with Autograph City. Heard about the podcast on their Facebook page. Look forward to more of your podcast. May the odds ever be in your favor. So you won the latest autograph, which is who? Is going to be, hold on, I'm going through the, I'm, I'm putting my name. I'm, I'm going through, I have a bunch of names and a hat. I'm going through names and a hat of who they could be. And it is... Clive Owen. Clive Owen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Clive Owen. Random, but I like Random, it. Random, but it's fun. That's a fun one. Yeah. So we've done, we've given away a Matt Damon one, Paris, Paris Hilton. Hilton uh, yeah. Matt Damon. We have a lot. I don't want to get out the names, but we have a lot of autographs to give out uh, courtesy of our friends at Autograph City. Make sure you follow them on Facebook. It's the best Facebook group. It's the best autograph Facebook group out there, and these guys at Primetime Signatures do an awesome job with it. But uh, make sure you DM me. DM me your address and your name so I could mail it out to you. And uh, Dax, who tell us a little about today's guest. Well, like I kind of said, Dean Kane, who I feel like I've grown up with because when Lois and Clark was on, that was like the show. Like, I don't know about you, but I used to watch that show religiously. I loved it. Um, he was Superman. He was... Superman for years and years and years. He um, is Superman. He is Superman. Obviously, him and Terry Hatch on that show were a combination uh, to reckon with because they were kind of the it and, I mean, on-screen couple for so long. And like we said before, he's an actor. He's a host, producer, athlete, and super intelligent, by the way, because he went to Princeton. Like, not a dumb actor out there. He's a, he's a really smart guy. Uh, but welcome to the podcast, so I kind of want to start at the beginning. You know, you went to Santa Monica High School. That's not the beginning. And I... <laughs> or Detroit, Michigan. Okay, but we'll get Let, started. Let's high go school. way back. Tell us how your parents met. <laughs> no, um... <laughs> well, that actually so, no, uh... after I was born. So that's a good... Yeah. <laughs> so what I want to get into is just... I know that you went to school with a lot of celebrities. There were a lot of celebrity children that were there, like... Who, who did you go to school with? Well, even before Santa Monica High School, I grew up in Malibu, California. So, you know, I grew up with Sean Penn, Chris Penn, Rob Lowe, Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, Holly Robinson. These were all the kids that were in kindergarten through what was what we called junior high school back then. It's now middle school and, and into high school. So, I mean, there was kids. I mean, oh, Robert Downey Jr. was running around with the kids. Tom Cruise was running around with friends with Emilio. I mean, so there's all these guys were around. And, um, but I never thought of them. None of them were actors. They were all just, you know, kid. I played baseball with Charlie. He was yeah. my third baseman. You know, I, I played uh, football with Chris Penn all the time. And, you know, so, uh, and my parents and the Penn's parents were like really, really close friends. So we were at the house all the time. And I think, and Sean Penn was older, but he was like a great surfer. Sean Penn was a great surfer, still is, I'm sure. Um, also, he was ready to brawl back in the day. You know, when people come down to our private beach, Sean was there to, you know, regulate a little bit. Um, and, I, and he seemed like he was 30 years older than me, but he was like six years older than me. I don't know. Um, but, you know, he just grew up in that environment, didn't think about it as anybody being famous because nobody was at the time. And their parents, were, our parents all worked in film, but my dad was a director. Um, Sean's dad, Leo, was a director and um, an actor, did everything kind of the stuff. So, I didn't really think about it until I got into high school. Sean and Sean Penn started acting. He did like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which was, you know, classic. 
yeah. and then you know Rob Lowe started getting into acting. I thought, wow, how weird to be thinking about like joining the workforce. Like I wanted to be a student and a football player and an athlete and go through college and then maybe think about it. And that's what I ended up doing. But by the time I was a junior in college, my dad was directing Young Guns and it had Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, you know, all these kids in it. Even Tom Cruise came in and got Tom Cruise is in Young Guns, uncredited, came up to the set. He's get, he's one of the bad guys who gets shot. So is my brother. They, you know, put on a big mustache and things. So Tom's got a mustache on. He gets shot and goes down. You'd never know it's him uh, unless you were really looking for it. Um, so uh, all these kids were just around. I never was like anything different. I thought I literally thought everybody grew up that way with the beach right here and yep. their kid, their parents made. I wasn't very smart as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, then you actually. Well, actually, then you went on. So you went to Princeton. Do you remember what you, you got in your SATs? Uh, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't incredibly high because um, I did fine. I mean, I did well. I didn't do great. Um, I didn't take like a, a bunch of SAT prep courses. Um, but I remember that I was taking the math portion. I took the English portion first, and then I was taking the math portion. And I thought the, for some reason, I thought the math portion was going to have a hundred questions. It ended up having fifty, and I was ripping through it. And also, I was like, stop. And I was like. I could have taken a lot more time. I had to go back and started going through it. I think I took it once. I might have taken it twice. Um, I don't remember, but I certainly was not in the 1600 range. I mean, I went to college. I got there, and there was always that little yip and yap. What would you get in your SATs? Well, at Princeton, every other person got like a 1600. So they're like, what would you get? I was like, I, I passed them. <laughs> B plus. Uh, None of your business. None of your business. I'm here. That's not really. What you, yeah, I got a B plus. Okay, that's it. <laughs> but uh, my ability to get into Princeton wasn't entirely based on my grades. I mean, I had very good grades. I had a you know I was all, an A and B guy all the time, mostly A's. Um, you know, I got like a. I remember I got a, a B in like driver education or something. Um, but um, the you know Princeton could take 1600 straight A's across the board, but it'd be a pretty boring university. So things like being able to be a top level athlete was, were, were really important. And, uh, I was scholarshiped. I had offers everywhere up and down the West coast and all, uh, you know, some PAC 10 schools and things like that. I, I, I ended up applying to Princeton, Yale. Well, it really went this way, Cal, Stanford, Yale. And then my final application went to Princeton. And, uh, when I went and visited all the schools, I, I visited the last one I visited was Princeton. And I was like, daddy's home. <laughs> you know, if I get in here, this is where I want to go. And uh, I was a late, a late, uh, a late entrance, if you will. Uh, a teammate of mine who was black, and it was at the time where it was a bunch of, uh, of things about um, affirmative action. He, he was black. He was as good a football player with me. We were so we were we were extremely tight. Our families would get together and do all the college things together and stuff. But he was a, as good a football player. Um, a better student, had better class scores and everything. So he literally could go anywhere he wanted to. I could almost go anywhere. Um, and so we'd go on all our recruiting trips together. Uh, he chose Stanford. I chose Princeton. He ended up not playing football So after a while, which is, which is weird. But I, he just wanted to be a surfer anyway. Um, and it's not, something, it's not that common you see a black guy who's, who's a full-on surfer. That's what Alan was. He's like, dude – you know, he was just a full, he was Spicoli. He was Jeff Spicoli, but a genius. Um, and so he's the one who actually was my final uh, connection to Princeton. So a, a lot of, I owe a lot to Alan, who's passed away, but bless him. Uh, thank you, Alan, uh, for having me go to school there, because it was the best decision I ever could have made. 
Dude, by the way, I, I, I'm a Jersey guy. Princeton is so cool, man. It's so beautiful. Go there in the fall when the leaves are changing. It's such a nice place, man. It's such a great walk, and oh, it's so cool. And coming from Malibu, like it, it's like the whole another world, and it's kind of that romantic ideal of college that I always thought about, and you don't find that here. Yeah. That rich history and that combination between a student-athlete, which you're a true student-athlete in the Ivy League, as opposed to... When you're a scholarship athlete, they own you. Yeah. You play one sport. I played I played football, I ran track, and I played volleyball at Princeton. You know? I mean, I, I played every sport. And that's what I wanted to do. There's the yeah. reason I got I mean, I I got the top I got the Poe Award from Princeton, the top athlete in college. And that I got the I got the same thing in high school, the the, the Switchenberg Award out of high school. That's all I ever was was an athlete. Then I graduate from college, I go to the NFL, I get hurt. And suddenly the two things I always did well, go to school and be an athlete, were gone. And I was like, oh, I was ready to get out in the real world, but I wasn't ready to go without those things. I was like, uh-oh, start over? Time to put these dimples to work. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, you know, going back. So now you finish college, you go to the NFL, obviously get hurt. You go, you can't play in the NFL. Obviously, you're, you went in the IR. And then... You're trying to figure out next steps. You start booking some auditions, but then you get the role of a lifetime. You start to play. You play Superman. How was the audition process for when you're gonna play? You're gonna do a mainstream show like that, a network show like that. How many auditions do you have to go for before they made you the guy? Man, a lot. First of all, I've been auditioning for a couple of years, few years, and they, you know the the process. You start seeing the same faces at the auditions. Oh, there's that guy again. There's this guy. Sometimes you'll see the guy who got the other role. You're like, oh no. Or this or that. So it's just this game that gets played. But a lot of those faces, I look back now, and they were all, they've all done pretty well. Excuse me. Um, and so the process for something big like that, because it was really, there were only a few networks, three or four networks at the time. Um, I don't think that, the, I think there were really three. And this is a major network show. It's a big deal. It's Superman. There hadn't been any um, superhero shows for a while. And like the idea is, how could you do Superman on television? It's going to suck, you know? And I was like, oh gosh. And I read the script and I thought it was great. I was like, yes. And I was just sort of coming into where I'd been doing some work and doing more guest star roles and just come off of a few episodes on Beverly Hills 90210. And I was just sort of finding my groove. And then this one came through and I was like, all right, I'm in. I was the first person they saw. The first audition was myself, um, Robert Butler, Deborah Joy Levine, and one casting person. Robert Butler was the, he, he's like the pilot maker. He's the director, producer. He puts it together. Deborah Joy created it, wrote it. And I was the first person they saw. I read it the night before, loved it, and go, hey, I think this is great. I think I might have a different take. But I'm like, okay, let's see what you got. I did the scenes. Okay, thank you. And I was out. I was like, all right, I'll find out in a couple days. Usually you hear something early. Didn't hear anything for weeks. All right, didn't get that role. What's next or this or that? Then I hear, hey, they really like you for that. We're at some party, and my buddy knows a casting girl. And she goes, they really like you for that Superman thing. I was like, I thought that was dead. Next thing I know, it's like the second round of auditions. And there's a whole lot of people. Then there's the third round of auditions, the fourth. So then they start, you know, you're getting down and you start to see, okay, there's about four guys who are Superman. There's there's some Jimmy Olsons over there. There's maybe some Lois's here. And they start pairing you off and doing things. And it finally came down to uh, they decided to test me and one other Superman and three Lois Lanes. And the uh, other Superman was Kevin Sorbo, who was <laughs> okay. blonde. So I was like, it's me. It's got to be me. He's blonde. What are they going to do? Um, and then uh, Terry Hatcher was one of the three Lois Lanes, but I never at network worked with her. I worked with the other two in front of everybody and did everything. And I found out 
soon after that that I got the role. And uh, it was insane. Um, but then I had to come back a few days later and audition with 10 different Lois Lanes and the last one being Terry Hatcher. And then that's when, the, that's when that happened. But it was a long process, tons of pressure. So you're going down the line and you're auditioning with all these women. Was there chemistry between you and her that you felt like immediately like this is this is our lowest lane? Like, did you get any say so in it? No, I didn't have any say so for sure. I the thing I was terrified was I got cast, you know, four days earlier and I was just, yes, I got it. And then all of a sudden I have to read in front of the network with 10 actresses in a row. And I'm like, they're going to figure out that I can't do this. <laughs> and I'm going to get fired right here. This sucks. And I was terrified. But um, And the scene was that Lois is inebriated, a little intoxicated, and comes to Clark's house and just decides she wants to bed him down because she was mad at some other guy. And Clark wants to but can't. And I was like, okay. So she bursts through the door, kisses me on the mouth, and pursues, proceeds to try to seduce me. This is the scene I have to do with 10 different women in a row. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, all right. So it was great and we were going through all and the girls were great and everything was different. Some girls really kissed me and some girls sort of kissed me and I was like, this is insane because they're so nervous too and I'm nervous. And Anyway, so we go through it all and they go, there's one last one to do. And I would listen to them talk about the girls in between. I was just like, holy smokes, I'm hearing this stuff. And, um, then um, um, they go, "They want she wants this, Terry was the last girl and they, she wants to run lines with you real quick. I go, okay. That's cool. I've been doing that. I just did it 10 times in a row. I know the lines for sure. And I go into the room with her and this is the the opening salvo. The first thing she said to me was, you don't like me very much, do you? And I was like, what? Well, you didn't talk to me at all when we were doing the auditions. I was like, I'm just trying to get a job. I, I had no thought about that whatsoever. But it's funny because that's sort of the dynamic of the two. She's the driver and she is the lowest was the driver of the show. And Clark reacted to things and did his own stuff, and that and that was it right there. She was, she did give the best audition, and she may have been the best kisser. <laughs> you know what's so funny? And, and this, uh, this is not. I'm, tr- I'm going to try to make this as not as pervy as possible. But uh, <laughs> but when you do a kiss on, mo- on when you're filming a scene, when you're doing a kissing scene, how do you decide if there's going to be tongue or not? Do you just do it? Do you just kiss? Do you say that before? Do you speak about it beforehand when you do a kissing scene? How does that go down? How does it play out? talk to them beforehand and go, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to do, do this? I and mean, how with any, you know, and, and, and when people are making out and kissing, what might feel good may not look good from the outside. So, um, <laughs> there's a way to kiss. That's more of a movie kiss and things. And, you know, you see people playing tonsil hockey may not be the most attractive thing <laughs> for people, you know, and, and the music can be swooning up. You're like, but whoa, that's not, that's not the music I hear when I see that. <laughs> so, this is so, a porn uh, kiss. Yeah, I get seriously, it. Seriously, it will bounce. No, I didn't see that. So it's, uh, you talk about it with your co-star and you get comfortable and, you know, whatever. I mean, I think that's the way to do it. And, you, and, and the thing is, people think, oh, my gosh, it's so much fun. You get to kiss people and have these sort of sexy. It's not fun. It's very uncomfortable because there's 30 people around you and, you know, they're, and they're trying to make it look good, too. And this angle doesn't look good. Or if they don't have a woman has her top off, you know, I'm very conscientious about that. Because you don't want, you know, you're trying to like, you know, they don't want things to be seen on camera, but you can see enough. And so the, it's this game and it's a thing, it's a dance and you have to have the, be open about it and have the conversations. And I think it's going to change even more now with this whole COVID thing. But so true. I think I think about like the, oh, make it look natural, but there's 30 people watching you and don't move your hand too much or nip slip's going to happen. Like, but make it look good. That's your job. Also, in the Superman suit doing kissing scenes and stuff, 
don't enjoy it too much. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I guess I've never thought about that because I always there's a it. lot of. <laughs> I had Did you ever get nervous? Uh, what's that? Do you ever get nervous? Like, oh, this scene's going pretty well. Yeah, I, have, I have a cape. I can just wrap a cape around. <laughs> <laughs> Six to midnight, real quick. Yeah, I, I totally know that trick. <laughs> Did you guys ever hear that? Like, there was like a rumor that they had to like CGI Brandon Ralph's package down in his whole movie. That was like a whole news story that they had to like CGI it. I well, I know Brandon he's stuffing stuff in there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, that's hysterical. I never heard that. That's hysterical. Yeah. Did you still have, did you take, uh, or did you have access to keeping the suit, the Superman suit? Yeah. You know, we, so we did four seasons of the show and we were coming back for a fifth season. And in that interim and in, in that hiatus, Terry got pregnant and was having a difficult pe- pregnancy. It was going to be a difficult pregnancy. So she wasn't going to be able to work. And so they decided to pull the plug. Had I known that was the end, I would have stolen everything. I grabbed as much stuff, but I didn't know, so I didn't take anything. So I didn't take a suit. I didn't take, you know, the Clark Kent nameplate. I didn't take the thing. So many of the things that I would have tried to snatch, without a doubt, um, I took nothing, and I, I'm heartbroken by that. I learned Do you know about, where it is. Uh, I'm sure Warner Brothers has it. Um, I'm sure they sold a bunch of them. You know, they auctioned things off. They have probably this, one of the suits in in uh, one of their museum things or something like that. But I, I don't have a clue. I we did have one. My customer at the time did have one, and, and then uh, he magically stopped talking to me after a while. I was like, dude, if you sold that thing and you didn't get it to me, uh, he didn't return my phone. You know, I, th- I think I saw one at like a, like a Hard Rock Cafe. Probably. I think I saw one there. I don't remember which location, but I'm pretty sure one of the Hard Rock has your, your Superman suit. wonder how much my customer got for that one. Didn't give it to me. <laughs> Have you dressed up as Superman for any Halloween since? <laughs> no, I have not. I would feel very odd. People are like, look at him trying to capture the glory days. You know, uh, it's one of those things. Like, I can't have a Superman tattoo. I can't have too much Superman stuff. Um, but uh, I listen. I love to be associated with the character. Unbelievable role. Um, unbelievable character to be associated with ever for the rest of my career. Fine. I mean, I get it all the time. I play a basketball game. Someone swats my, get that out of here, Superman. You ain't Superman. It comes through everything. Someone doesn't like what I have to say on Twitter. You're the worst Superman ever. No, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's, it's just part of it. I, it's, I don't it's care. It's funny because I feel like there's so many people that are in these huge roles, whether it's a Batman or Superman, and then they spend the rest of their career just trying to distance themselves. So I like to hear that you're like, no, this, this is my role. I, I, I enjoyed it. it. And yeah, I, I, I think that's I, I don't think it's the last role I'm going to play. And I've done a hundred and something movies since. So I'm not worried about that. But if people recognize me for that, great. Perfect. That's a good way of looking at it. Plus, the show was an insane success. I mean, at that time, especially when the show came out, it's when people were really watching TV. Uh, but why, you know, the show ran four seasons. It was supposed to have a fifth season. Do you ever figure out why the show didn't go for that fifth season or – just because of Terry's tough pregnancy. So she wasn't going to be able to be there. And I thought we could incorporate it into the story. I sort of pitched that idea. I was like, why don't we just have her a little bit in there and, and let's bring a pregnancy. And I wanted, I wanted to see Lois and Clark have babies, start being parents. Do their kids have, you know, nascent superpowers? What's the deal? You know, I thought that would be great fun to explore. Uh, um, but I don't know where we were going in season five. I wrote a few episodes, but they were stand episodes. Two episodes, but they're standalone episodes. 
little bit of character with the, the romance of Lois and Clark, but the episode by itself, you know, stood right there and didn't change the, the arc of the season or the arc of what was going to happen to the characters too much. So um, they didn't tell me what was going to happen season five. Uh, I would have loved to see us go in that direction, though, go in the direction that hadn't been done and have them have kids and married and stuff. I'd say I'd like to see us have a, a, a reunion now, 25, whatever it is, years later. I'd love to see that happen. See where Lois and Clark are. See them with kids and see what, how they are as parents and where they've gone with their their relationship, which I hope is still strong. I'm a I'm an optimist. I like the light version of Superman. I like the, that Christopher Reeve version of Lois Lane and Superman. Um, and I think that's what we had on our show. The, you know, the one they do now, Henry Cavill's great at what he does, and he does a great job with that role. But it's just so dark, that Zack Snyder world of Superman. It's not my favorite. I like to see Superman as a very light, uh, you know, character of light and good. And that, that was kind of Batman's world. Do you do you ever run into Terry? Because she's in Malibu too, right? So you uh, no, still is, I think she's like out in like near Pasadena kind of area. I don't really. Uh, she's not here in Malibu, but uh, but I do see her. We we've done a couple comic cons. We did one in New York. We did one in Australia. Um, we chat now and again. We I was just on her van therapy show, her podcast thing, which is an odd thing. She gives in her van and drives around, but I but it actually worked. Um, <laughs> I've been like what? But I do leave it to her to come up with something like that. Um, so I'd rather do hot tub therapy myself, but that's my thing. <laughs> How do you deal like when you go to Comic-Cons? Because I've seen you there, man. You're so good. You're so charismatic. You have fun with the people. You're always smiling. You're happy to be there. And people get excited to meet you. It's a really good experience for them. Like when people obviously pay to go meet you, they, it's a great experience, a great encounter. But, you know, I've been to Comic-Cons and these people, some people are very interesting there. And I'm sure they try to quiz you on Superman. How do you deal when people try to quiz you on Superman, on the character? Because you just played him. I'm sure you're not a Superman historian by any means or as far as comic book, know everything that happened. How do you, have you had any crazy encounters during Comic-Cons? Oh, yeah. There are people who come up and know more about the character 10 times about more about the character than I do. Um, but I know what we were doing. I know what was happening at the time because you're aware of it. And I was also, I wrote, like I said, a couple of the episodes. And so I was aware of, uh, we worked closely with DC and I sort of knew what was going on there. Um, but I didn't know all the different versions and all the different worlds or this or that. or you know. So I, and I still don't. I actually have a stack of comic books over here because people have been telling me when I talk about the idea of a reboot, they're like, well, that's like Superman 5 on the thing. I'm like, what? They go here, you know, they give me a comic book. Uh, people are great. You know, what you don't get when you're um, shooting a show like Lois and Clark you, is you don't get any feedback back then. Now everything with social media and stuff, you get this different feedback immediate. We, I, I'm hearing from people when I started doing Comic-Cons how the show was this integral part of their upbringing. And they would sit there with their whole family and their mom and dad. And it was the only time they were together. And it was the only time they could stay up a little bit late to before they had to go to bed. And they would wait for Sundays or whatever. And I would just heard, heard these incredible stories. Now, being a father, I know what shows my son and I sit and watch and how special that time is. I mean, if he sees anybody from Friday Night Lights, that's like part of his childhood. Because we sat there and watched every episode and talked about those things that are happening as kids are growing up, you know. So if he sees Kyle Chandler, he'd be like, oh, wow. And he does not impress by anybody. But I understand how that's meaningful for people. And so it's really great to hear them come up and say stuff like that and say that, you know, this character inspired them to be better or do better or whatever it is. And that really affected their life or that makes them think of their grandma who they miss every day. And, you know, so it's really a lovely thing to hear. Those Comic-Cons are great for that. All of it's been shut down with the pandemic, so it'll be interesting to see what happens when it does 
because I'm t- I'm a huggy, touchy guy. I shake hands. I hug people. Um, I guess I can't do that anymore. No, it's so weird, man. The whole thing is just so bizarre. Just even like telling my kids, like I got I got some pretty young kids, and going, hey. Don't touch your friends, even though we've taught you to be a huggy person and like embrace people. Now it's like, don't touch anyone or, you know, and you also don't want to give them this fear that for the rest of their life, it's going to be stuck in the back of their brain that like they're living through a pandemic. You don't want to give them that fear, but it's, it's so weird to navigate this whole thing. It's an odd time. It's an odd time. So Dean, we like to break down Hollywood and try to reveal the fourth wall and it, you know, cause people are always so, you know, people that are not in the entertainment business are really curious how it works so you produced and hosted the show ripley's believe it or not how did that show come to tv like can you break it down me like okay you start a production company that you have this idea you have to go to the brand probably ripley's or can you break it down how you got that show onto tv well see it happens differently in every instance obviously it's subjective to that particular case in this particular case um sony I had an overall deal at Sony and my company was based at Sony and we were creating television, um, coming up with different concepts, different things. And <clears throat> they came to me and said, would you like to host Ripley's Believe It or Not? And at the time, the only one I had seen was the Jack Palance version. I'm working with Sony, so they, I, have, I have a yes or no. They can bring things to me. They get an option to come to me and say, do this or do this. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to do that. And they go, well, we come on, think about it, whatever. And I was like, well, no. And they said, well, if you were going to do it, how would you want it to be? So I thought about it, and then I came up with sort of my take on it. So then I met with all the guys, and I said, listen, I'm not that interested in hosting Ripley's Believe It or Not, but if I did, I'd, well, I'd want it to be an hour-long show. I don't want to be going like, believe it or not, like the way Jack Palance did, which yeah. is amazing. That's Jack Palance. Um, and he was great, but I didn't want it seemed spooky and scary. I was like, I want to, I want to do it more like, you know, if I were to do it, I would be like the, this museum curator of the strange and unusual and then sort of get it. With, with the audience, enjoy the jokes and the laughter and the ooh-ah factor of this. And, and they were like, that sounds really good. We love that idea. And I was like, oh, God, they liked it. All right. That is, and I was like, well, then I want, then I want you know, a gajillion dollars to do it, ownership of this. And, then, and they're like, okay, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> we got a deal. So it was a, the most lucrative job I've ever had in my life. It was the most fun and easy job in my life. And that's not the way it normally happens in Hollywood. It's because I had already been established as a talent. I had a deal at this place. And then I had them, they said, we don't, it doesn't even have to be part of our deal. So that's separate from the deal. And they were like, yes, yes, because they wanted to get this launched. It launched as the highest rated cable um, series in the history of cable at the time. Wow. So it was wow. a huge success. We did that for four years. And then we were at TBS and somebody came in and rebranded the network and dropped every show. So that was a nightmare. I was four seasons as well. But normally what happens to get a show together, and I've got, I'm doing it right now. I'm in the process with about four different shows that I'm producing and a part of that I will maybe host or maybe not or maybe star and maybe not. But if I can get the show set up, um, you get a project. You get a, a story. Either you write it yourself or you have someone else and you acquire their project. Then you can attach pieces to it. I know this actor, that actor. I know this director. I know this showrunner. Um, and your agents work to help do that for you. And – then you go and pitch it to different companies. Um, and the companies may like it, so they, they like it. Okay, we like this one. This is great. We'll come in and we'll be a production company with you, which means they're going to be able to fund some of it, but they have to see if they can sell it first to a network. It's very – It's when you start going through the process, it's shocking that anything ever gets made. And it's it's really rare that something gets, gets made. But with the number of outlets today and places you can put your product – 
it's becoming easier and easier. And the way that, you know, a drone costs, you know, 2,500 bucks for like the top of the line greatest drone and you would think it was a huge crane. I mean, the, the, the ability to make projects for less now is really wonderful. I think it's a wonderful time we're living in in, in the world of television. So um, there's a million different ways you can get it done today. You can, you can have a YouTube channel. And then people love it, and the company will come to you and go, look, we want to put your show on the air. Here's the things we want to do to change it, blah, 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 whatever it is. And so it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful time to be able to make product. And that whole YouTube thing, I mean, you know, there were people who do, did Vines. Remember Vines? Sure. Like that's the thing. That yeah. There were people who were like Vine stars. And I, was, I remember being at a Comic-Con, and they're like, oh, I'm like, what's going on over there? They're like, oh, those Vine kids. I'm like, what Vine kids? What the hell is Vine? And they're like, oh, you're so old. Well, well just yeah. tell me <laughs> And then I'd see these kids, and it's like they run around and do these funny things. And I was like, what? And they're superstars. And they got like a TV show out of it. I'm like, what? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's constantly changing, but it's a, great, it's a great medium. And for me, you know, I've got projects now, one I acquired that's a great, really unbelievably well-written, funny, but irreverent. Maybe it's not the time to make this show because um, we would get skewered by the p- politically correct. But it's funny, and it's funny, and everybody's insulted. And I think that's great. Unfortunately, we don't get to do enough of that these days. So we'll yeah. see if I can sell that. Um, then I've got some other some police-based – I'm a reserve police officer. Sure. I, uh, so I've got a couple of police-based shows that aren't reality stuff. But it's like it's not like me being a police officer and breaking down your house or your door or anything like that. Certainly that wouldn't fly these days um, as the, you know, a show like Cops and, and like A&E got their, you know, their, their live PD on there. Those are incredible shows. And I love – I think police officers are tremendous heroes and, and that's why there's so many shows with police officers because they're in these incredible situations. But we have some things that, you know, are, are more documentary style um, that I, that I like that I want to be a part of. And I've got some, some movies and things uh, that I'm putting together that I've written and, you know, it's always busy. So like, this has been a slow time, but it's been a very busy time. Do you, do you feel like shows like cops and uh, live PD have been kind of treated unfair and, you know, unfair, you know, unfortunately got dropped by their networks. Do you think it's pretty unfair that all this is going on, especially with their shows? I I don't think it's pretty unfair. I think it's insanely unfair. I I think it's stupid to be honest. Um, I would love to have a a network that picked up cops and live PD because it would get, it would rock and people would watch the show. I understand the issues that we're facing right now. I mean, I just got sworn in again as a reserve police officer. I went through all my use of force training and all the different things, and I know what I'm taught and how we're taught. And and, and where I where I am an officer, we're we're up in in Pocatello, Idaho, and it's a very community based um, sort of policing. It's, it doesn't feel like us against them, and that's a wonderful model. And I've talked about this on a news station. It's a wonderful model for things moving forward. But police are heroes, and they're hugely necessary. I mean. It's all fun and games until you call nine one one and nobody shows up. I'm, it's not that's not cool. Um, and there have been some bad apples, and there's got to be some some retraining and different training. That's all fine and dandy, but cutting a billion dollars from the NYPD police budget is insane. It's insane. Crime is already skyrocketing. Cutting what they've cut, it's a really dangerous thing for public safety. Um, and I think it's unfair to shows like Cops and Live PD because people, the majority, I, I mean, do you ever watch Cops? Do you ever I watch Live yeah. PD? Oh, yes, oh, yeah. they're great shows and people watch them and they're hits. There's a reason they're hits. So I would uh, I would get right back on with those things. And if they want to start a network with me, I'll start it with them right now. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there is there any advice you'd give people that maybe like you didn't know at the beginning, but now you know, and you're like, God, I just I wish I would have known this aspect of the entertainment industry, you know, 20, 20 years ago, and it would have solved so much. <laughs> well, I, I, fortunately, I was raised in a family that knew the business, and my dad was constantly giving me tips in the ear. He's like, watch the media, buddy. They're going to love you at first and build you up just to tear you down. He's like, I don't want that for you. And, you know, I don't, I didn't want, when I told my dad I was going to be an actor, he had three words, three words of advice. Don't do it. That's what he said. (laughs) He didn't want me out there. He didn't want to happen. Um, So uh, he was great in guiding me through the sort of the pitfalls. If I could change anything about, or, or, or I would just tell myself as a young person to shut up more, say less in interviews. (laughs) <laughs> I look back at some of my interviews. I'm like, what an idiot that kid is. I just want to smack him, you know? Um, but it's just so all, it's just so much. Even then I was 26 and it's so much. So I can't imagine what it's like being 18 and achieving that kind of stardom. And they, I, cause you're just a knucklehead at 18. You don't know much. I mean, it's hard to, to be able to handle those sort of pressures and put it in perspective and nothing puts your life into perspective more than being a parent. Yeah. And that's yeah. when I, Look, I wouldn't change any of the decisions I've made. I love the life I've led so far. I made a huge sacrifice when my son was born um, uh, to – I mean I gave up what would have been – I probably would have been the highest paid actor in television, a series, because I was fighting for custody with my son's ex, my son's mother rather, um, about being a parent. I just want to be a father. I'm adopted. My dad adopted me when I was five, four, and I know where I would have been without him and it wouldn't be in a good place. So I know how important that was for me. I was like, I'm not going to be not there for my son. I wasn't going to go up to Canada and make a TV show and be, you know, rich and famous, but not be a dad. There was just no chance. So I turned down that show, uh, turned down some things. So I wish I could have found a way to make those work. Um, but I would never change what I've done the last 20 years, which is limiting what I've the projects I've done and the time I've spent um, because I want to be a dad. I wouldn't change any. I would coach every team he was on. I was there. I missed almost no games. Um, I, I would fly back do, after a night shoot in Nova Scotia, get on the morning first flight out, right from set, not even wash the makeup off, get a few odd looks here and there, especially if I was bloody or something. Um, and then I'd, fly, <laughs> I'd sleep on the plane, land in L.A., go right to his football game, coach it, take him home, have him that night, and then return him in the morning to his mom as I flew back you know, in the afternoon in order to land in the morning, uh, basically a red eye, uh, and go right to work in Nova Scotia. I mean, I did that. I remember doing that like three times. I did that just specifically from Nova Scotia, but I mean, I did it from all over the place. I, cause being a parent to me and the relationship that I have now with my son, I would trade. There's no amount of money. There's no anything you could, you could, you could trade out. So, um, I don't, I, that's, I, I don't know that there's anything I would, do differently or advice I would give myself other than shut up during interviews. And then maybe I probably would have spent money a little bit differently now that I look at what's important, but you got to figure those things out and you got to walk that walk before you really know what's going on and listen to the advice of your peers. On that note, then what's your biggest purchase that you regret? Biggest, I don't regret any of my purchase. Well, you know, I was some houses that I was where I would say, I like, do I want to live in Bel Air? I was in this big ass house. Like, Nope, I don't want to live there after spending a year there and here, there. So I don't regret any purchases. I make good purchases. Great <laughs> purchases. What, what was, what was that? I don't was regret that first buying thing you bought money on. That's for sure. 
Like mm. that's a sweet vehicle. And I'm just every time I get in it, I'm like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> I well, deserve well, this sucker. So when you first got like your big paycheck, you know, like you're you're now making money. What was that thing that you want to? What did you want to buy? That you I wanted to buy, buy a car. So I got my car. I got a Bronco, which I thought was dope. My Ford Bronco because I didn't want like a. Well, I mean, I, I, I leased other cars, things like that, but I wanted my car. It was a Bronco. Like the car I drive now is a Raptor most of the time. I just like a truck. Um, but uh, And I'm looking at a Bronco right here on my screen up here, the new one coming The out. new one's so sick. I'm looking at it right now. Dude, going, it's so sick. <laughs> um, but I bought. I think I bought a car. The thing that happens when you're doing a show like that is you can't even spend the money because you're, you don't, you're on set 18 hours a day. So it's a good thing. So I was I was doing smart things with that money. I, I invested in real estate and things, and I bought houses, and I didn't do it as investments, but I made a lot of money in real estate as a result. So it's been nice. Um, but I didn't I, I didn't make any crazy purchases, you know. I mean, I you know having my net my 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 you know my net jets stuff that stuff. I mean, I would use the private jets and things like that on occasion. That was a lot of fun, but it was because I needed to be able to get A to Z in time to be able to make this work in here and. You know, but I don't. I, I didn't make any really frivolous, stupid purchase. I maybe made two or three trips to Vegas. I probably shouldn't have made. <laughs> <laughs> How else do you learn? <laughs> so, I had to lose, and of course, I lost some of it there. Not, yeah. not, not. Listen, when people talk about like gambling, like if they, if I told them how much I lost gambling, they'd be like, "That's not even like three hands, okay?" I'd be like, "Well, it's a, it was a, it's a normal person. It's, it's a decent amount. I didn't like losing it." Um, people who gamble, no, I don't get in that world. You, you talk about how you're a little bit outspoken in interviews, and I always saw you on Fox and Fox News, and you always you're always on Fox and Friends, and uh, you're you're not you're so and again, you be clear, you're not a Republican, you're you're an independent, correct? But you're you're outspoken a little bit in your political views, and nothing. Listen, this just your views. How has that affected you in Hollywood? Well, it's I, I've seen a lot of hate and vitriol directed my way, which is interesting because I don't put out hate and vitriol. I can disagree and state my opinion, um, you know, why I like that. And, and, I, and I back up my opinion. I, I support the law enforcement and military and I become a police officer. You know, I, I support the Second Amendment. I think it's a hugely important uh, uh, right that we have and it's really important. And I am on the board of directors for the NRA. You know, I, I live what I say. Now, if someone disagrees and say, listen, I don't think we should have firearms, I would love to have the conversation. And I, and I try to do that with people. I try to engage people. Too much of what we do now is this cancel culture, which I think is just a cancer. It's horrible. Oh, so-and-so, he, you know, he had black under his eyes when he played football. That's enough. Get rid of it. I mean, like, what, what are you talking about? That's insane. We've all done stupid things. We've all said stupid things. We, we should be trying to pull together instead of um, vilify in that sense. So I try to bring people together. I, when people are bashing president Trump or, or this policy or that policy, I'll engage them. And I'll say, why is that? I haven't noticed. <clears throat> I, I, people get mad when you try to talk about issues, which I don't understand because this is what we're here for. I mean, we should be engaging in ideas and discussing things. And, and I'm happy to listen to anybody's point of view. And if you can convince me that what I'm saying is not hundred percent right, I'll change my view. And I love when that happens because I'm like, you know what? I didn't see it in those terms. That's really smart. That makes good sense. Maybe I'm going to modify my position here. Um, but I haven't seen, you know, Hollywood isn't the kind of place where we'll go like, no, we won't hire you because you, 
you're this right wing guy, you're a Second Amendment nut, so you can't play John Wick. I'm like, well, what? <laughs> John Wick uses guns quite a bit. Okay, whatever. You know, it's like you get that kind of stuff. Um, but but uh, I, nobody said that to me. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure that people got nope, we don't want him. We don't want to deal with him. Blah blah. Not even a problem because I'm never a problem. I'm always on time. I always do my job. I always know exactly what I'm doing. I don't do drugs. I don't cause trouble. Um, you're going to get a professional actor who shows up and does his job. But if people are going to want to talk politics, I'll discuss them. If I'm asked not to, sure, I'll keep quiet to a point. But you do have a First Amendment right to speak up. I'm not going to – it would never affect my work or anything I did. Um, I mean I met with Rob Reiner for a picture not that long ago and I said, look, we don't agree politically, but I think you're a phenomenal director. I love – you've done some of my favorite movies. And we've known each other. Uh, he didn't hire me for that movie, but I don't know if it was because of the politics or because it was, a, it was actually a political movie. So – he could have made me a bad guy. I probably would have liked it. Uh, but I, nobody says anything openly about yeah. it. I don't hear it. My, my, my agent might, maybe in their quiet off-the-record off comments. But, you know, I believe that's crazy. And I, I would not not hire somebody because of their political views. If I thought Rosie O'Donnell was the right actress to put in a thing, I'd hire her in a second. I like Rosie personally. I don't agree with her political views, but I'd hire her in a second. If it's the right person. So I, I encourage that sort of stuff. Unfortunately, too many people don't. I have a question for you. So listening to that, how many people or how many stars in Hollywood or industry professionals may fake their political views just to keep their fans or just to keep people happy that that maybe they are huge Trump supporters or whatever, but they don't publicly say it because they're worried about a backlash? I'm just curious. I think there's a lot. I think there is there are a lot of folks that feel that way. Um, unfortunately, that's the case because if someone does say something on social media or something, you get attacked. I get attacked all the time, but I don't care. You know, it doesn't bother me. It sort of like just rolls off my back. I think it's kind of funny because you get people who are, who are claiming tolerance and stuff going, you know, because you support President Trump, you should be thrown off a of Supergirl. I'm like, do you actually know what the word bigot means? Because that's what you're being, a bigot. You're being intolerant of someone else's political views. I, I'm not trying to change anything that they, you know, I, I'm tolerant of people's views. I want to hear what you have to say and I'll listen to them and go, okay, we may agree to disagree, but I still like you. We can still be friends. We can still work together. Uh, I wouldn't not hire you because you believe that, you know, the, the second amendment should be done away with. I wouldn't not hire you. In a, so, so I, I think there's a lot of people though, who, who are, who fear that because right now the zeitgeist is to, to be anti-police it's to be um, uh, uh, anti-Trump, anti, you know, um, you know certainly it's anti-police and anti-Trump, which are kind of tied together because he sort of runs for, as the law and order president. So um, they see him as as the embodiment of that. And, and there's so much vitriol around him. He's been uniquely polarizing, but I think he's done a great job. Saying that makes people go, oh, but I'll discuss it. Let's talk policy. What policies do you disagree with? He's a racist, xenophobe. It's like that sort of stuff. It's like we've gotten too comfortable saying those words without really understanding what they mean, and it's unfortunate. Um, and I think it's you know there's a pendulum. I think it swings, and I think it'll it's far over here right now. And I think it'll come back. I'm extremely uh, conservative on a lot of uh, a, a lot of things, foreign policy, fiscal matters, uh, but I'm extremely liberal on a lot of social issues, and I'm open about that and. People, you know, I take heat from both sides. You know, I'm over speaking to the Family Research Council and I'm pro-choice. I'm pro and, you know, that's just a big no-no. 
nobody yelled at me or screamed at me and they just discussed why. And we talked about reasons why. And, um, I'm pro-life in my own life. I would always err on the side of life in that sense, but I'm not going to legislate what someone else would do and how it would go. I mean, that's just, if I were a legislator. So those are the conversations that I think people don't have enough. And I wish they would, because I think you find, I think there's 10% of the far left, 10% of the far right. They make all the noise and there's 80% of us somewhere in the middle. I want to say congratulations. That's the most political our podcast has ever Ever. (laughs) (laughs) It was like political, but not political, but it was just the right amount where we didn't... <laughs> we never get political. So let's get back to uh, well, our nobody stuff. Nobody wants to get political. I mean, they don't want to openly. Very few people do. And I get it. But there's a saying you may not be interested in politics, but I promise you, politics are interested in you. It affects so much of what your life is and what you do. The taxes you pay, the way laws are enforced, the way laws are written, who's writing the laws. I mean, that's important stuff. Yeah. It is. Well, people want to complain after, after the fact. They never, you know, they don't want to talk about it, but I, I want to complain about it. Um, no, so obviously, you know, you went to you went to school with so many famous people through elementary, high school, into college. Do you like how many celebs do you run into just when you're out and about? Like, I want I want to know someone that you've actually been starstruck. Life in like, LA. You walk into yeah. Craig's and you walk in, and you're like, oh my god, it's Brad Pitt. Like, who do you get starstruck with? Brad Pitt. Uh, it would be Brad. I think he, I think he's great, but I wouldn't be like, oh, I don't. You know, I grew up around so many folks that I don't get starstruck. Uh, you know, for At me, it's all? more. Like, um, there's no one. Well, it's it's either an athlete. Sometimes it's an athlete. It's like Michael Jordan. Yeah, of course, uh, Magic Johnson. But these are guys I know. So I, I'm, you know, these are I get to meet most of my heroes sure. and guys that I think are me. Chris Kyle. I mean, uh, meeting Chris Kyle and being able to work. I was I was like a kid. I was like, oh my god, because what he I'd read his book. I'd read about his life. I knew, you know, I knew so much about him, and you know, the the human condition. I wrote my. I took my comprehensive exams. I was a history major in college. I took my comprehensive exams on, in war and diplomacy because I find the human condition that, that would turn to fighting and killing each other to, to get there. To me, it's just like such a where do you have to go to get there? And then when you're in that position, what has to go through your mind? I just find that fascinating. And that's been a big part of our civilization for sure. Um, so I just find that stuff tremendously exciting. So when I met him, I was sort of a – Again, I was kind of like starstruck in that sense. But then I worked with him every day for six weeks where, you know, if, I, if I'm on the log while he's in the log, he's yelling, get off the log. You know, I'm like, I'm on the log. You know, so you get to have it. Then we're jumping out of helicopters and descending down 65 feet, swinging under the helicopter, trying to hook up with each other. You just become buddies, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I've been really fortunate to, to, so to meet those guys. You know, I like meeting um, people who make a, a change in history. I thought it was really cool to meet Benjamin Netanyahu. I really enjoyed, you know, meeting him. And then he's a. Where'd you meet him? I met him a year and a half ago in Israel, in his office in the Knesset. Wow, Uh, it was amazing. Just in his office, no big deal. Well, and I just met with King Abdullah in Jordan um, three days earlier. I just met with the 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 Prime Minister of Armenia before that. I got to meet with I get to meet with a lot of heads of state, and and I think that stuff's great. Uh, I I do a lot of I, I produce documentaries as well, and I was producing documentaries out there. I was doing a, a documentary that I just, we were just nominated for an Emmy, a daytime Emmy, we didn't win, called Hate Among Us, which deals with the rise of anti-Semitism here in the United States and in Europe and worldwide, but specifically United States and Europe and a lot of specific cases. Um, and we were nominated for an Emmy for that, which was great. But part of that was the reason I was in Israel. And um, and it's just, uh, you know, that's a, I, I get world leaders, people who are making a, 
difference in the world. Uh, that's fun for me. So let me ask you this though: when you get when you get the Emmy, you didn't win the Emmy, but you got you get the paper for the nomination. I I I, mean, I, I actually Dax, I uh, I framed mine. What do you do with your nomination? I I have mine for. <laughs> <laughs> I have it so that uh, you know I can just sit there and be like, "Well, it was close, but not quite." <laughs> Dean, what? <laughs> Dean, what do you do with your paper? Do you just like file it? Do you frame it? What do you do? I don't even know where it is. I gotta be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably in this stack of things over here, with you know, with my oath of office that I just got sworn in. Oh, like that? That's cool. Nice. Here. So um, that's that's probably in that stack, to be honest. Um, who's the who's the celebrity that you run into the most in LA? Like, who's the one you always run into? I live in Malibu. I mean, I run into thirty celebrities in an hour. Do the grocery store, huh? Yeah, grocery store. You'll see Pink. You'll see you know. So you know people, and you're like, oh yeah, but I I don't even you know. Do you guys do you do you do the like the the celeb nod like? We're both famous. We know it. Like, let's nod. There is the club, you know, where you go, hey, hey. And you realize we actually never met each other, but we know who each other is. There is that <laughs> that happens. Um, sometimes, a lot of times, you know, you know, I'll see, um, oh, what's his name? He's such a good actor. Um, um, oh, my gosh. He was in uh, Ed. Um, oh, my God. He's such a good actor. Older guy. Um, what did you say Ed it? Helms? Nope, Ed not Ed Helms. Helms. He's way he's young. No, um, uh, Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Ed Harris. I see Ed Harris cruising around Malibu all the time, and I just such respect. And I just don't him. I go like, I don't really. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say anything to him. He's a little guy too, but I'm like, I don't want to be like, what's up, Ed? You know, he'd be like, hey. He would have no idea who I was. See, so, I'm pretty jealous you run into the pink in this the grocery store. I see her. Yeah, she's a. She's a uh, she's a very talented lady. Yo, but is that the weird part for your life? Because I feel like that would give me anxiety. Because you walk into a store or some restaurant, they you know who they are and they know who you are. But it's just like, is there like how do you know how do you deal with that when you both know each other? It depends on who it is. If it's somebody I really like, sometimes I'll just go up and say, "Hey, I just want to introduce myself. I'm a big fan. You know, whatever." And it's really nice to meet you. Um, sometimes that's the case, or if I don't like them, I'll just be like. <laughs> shield your face i like that i want to know here here's my other question for you how do you meet women in hollywood oh because you are famous it can't be just like oh i'm gonna go on you know the latest app or whatever like it can't be easy dating in hollywood so i'm curious how you how you pull it off well it's uh <laughs> oh my god i'm having camera issues so. <laughs> Um, no, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Um, and, and, you know, it's people you work with, obviously you see people at work, you meet people through work, through friends and so on and so forth. I'll tell you what I don't do anymore. I don't let my mom have anything to do with some, if she ever says to me, Oh, you got to meet so-and-so. My answer is so clearly no, <laughs> no, no, no. People, she thinks for me, I'm like, what do you think? What, what? I forget how old I am. You know, I'll be 54 this, this next month. So it's like, oh, I've got this great girl for you. How old is she? And they're like 40. I'm like, ooh. And they're like, how old are you? I'm like, I'm fit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize. I just forget. I don't know. So um, it's people trying to set me up or meeting people through people or finding somebody that I find interesting um, because I like their work on this or that or something. There's just a million different ways, but um, certainly not an app, certainly no dating apps. I think friends and family know who you are, and if there's people who know, you know, sometimes people try to set people up, and, 
you know, and then uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like it has to be a natural thing. There's a chemistry. That's what I don't get with the whole online thing is there's, there's got to be a, a, a chemistry, a physical chemistry that has to happen, I think. I, I'm out in nature. You know, I'm prowling around. I got, I got to see. Go, yeah. And, that, and that's my thought process. I can't think of it like online. I don't know. It's an odd thing. How many of these male actors now do you think are really taking uh, HGH? Because, uh, you know, because it's, it's becoming more and more popular. Uh, do you think a lot of people are doing it now, especially the male? I say that the male actors, because everyone looks is everyone looks too good. They're just jacked. They're jacked. Uh, yeah, I, that's very possible. Uh, that's a good question. I think it's probably much more widely available and much more known about it now than 30 years ago, for sure. You know, um, I'm not going to speculate on what The Rock is doing, but he looks insane. Um, I don't know what he's doing, but he's in the gym a lot. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, there's so many people who know so much about um, <clears throat> training and this and that. And, you know, you get people trained. I mean, like Jamie Foxx right now is becoming Mike Tyson. Yeah. yeah. And I think Jamie is one of the most talented individuals out there, bar none. Actor, singer, you name it. He's got it all. Um, and I, I think I saw a little clip on him talking about playing Mike Tyson. And I was already like, yeah. Actually, I listened to him describe the opening scene like, like from a year ago, some podcast. And, and you can hear the storyteller in it, you know, going from the bits. I was like, man, there's a reason he's that good. Um, but what he's going to do to his body right now, I'm sure there's probably some – no offense, Jamie. There's probably going to be some <laughs> up in there because he is going to go – you know, he is going to turn into Mike Tyson. And that's – Jamie Foxx ain't built like Mike Tyson. So that will be really unbelievable. Uh, I think he's going to crush it, and I look forward to it. But uh, there might be some HGH in there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say this. Dax, I want you to know something. I'll, Dean is one of those guys where me being like a TMZ guy as running around the camera, like I was always great going for Dean because you could ask him a question, and you would never try to ask a question attacking him. You could ask a question where you just kind of open up a forum. Open up a forum, you know, like – Give him a platform, let him speak, and, and he was always so interesting but also uh, intelligent with his answers. And he never looked at you and never treated you at all like an asshole for doing what you're doing. You know, like, and I say that, and, dude, I really appreciate how good you were because you're always so cool. Gave us your time. And because you gave us your time and give me your time specifically, I'm able to pay for my health insurance. I'm able to live because you were always so good about that. So I just want to let you know how much I appreciate that. That two minutes you give me on the street. I'm able to live off that because you gave me two minutes of your time. So you were just, you were so cool about it, dude. Uh, I get it. I get what's going on too. And that's, and I'm not afraid to talk about things. I understand people who don't want to talk about certain issues, but there's a way to do that and talk about something else that's light or something like that. That's fine. Um, but I, but I, but I understand that. I appreciate you guys have always been real fair to me and, and you know, I mean, it'll liked everything that's run. That's for sure. But that's part of the game. You yeah. know, that's just it. But, but, but it's, I get it. And I'm, I realized, you know, as I've gotten older, like it's the reason I talk politics. It's the reason I put my, you know, I, I put a badge on. There's a reason I do that. You know, there's things that happen in life as you get older, and you just want to go look. I think these are important things, and 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 talking about them is is interesting to me, and and I and I'm interested. So, you know, when when I get stopped and asked questions, like I'll answer them. You know, if it's a football question, I remember getting asked if Tom Brady was done like six years ago, eight years ago. And I'm like, no, he's not. I want to see that clip played again. This was Dean back in, you know, 2007 when they asked if Tom Brady was finished. No, he's not. And I was right. 
I want that tape to resurface. Uh, I've made Wait, some bad predictions in my days too. Don't get me wrong. But, but that you, was right. you should you should fucking you were so good because you were so good to the camera guys on the street and the people on the street that they don't they actually want to you know people like me I want to help you I don't want to be able to go against you so it's like and that's what more, if a lot of these people realize like hey man just be a good person people will be good to you back like they're not there to tear down the walls on you I mean again you're fortunately you're not in the news for any bad thing but you know it's you were always just good dude about it so with my by the golden rule I really do yeah I really it's real it's real simple I try to treat others as I would want to be treated in that exact same situation yeah so my last question um you went to Santa Monica High School how was the school lunch there dude because I imagine Santa Monica <laughs> like if you go to these LA high schools you're getting like good fish tacos like you know and some, some yeah, we, we'd go off campus all the time Oh, were you? Over to like, um, yeah, we'd go over to like the Bay City's subs and stuff. Like, we we're always off campus. We'd constantly go off campus. It would be rarely I would ever eat on campus. I don't ever really remember, other than I had a girlfriend, I would sit with her, but I think we went and got a sandwich and then sat down and ate, you know, on campus. But I don't recall, like, I don't even recall the school lunches at all, to be honest. I just don't even remember them um, because we would go, you know, go buy a sandwich or something. Do you, re- do you remember the cars in the parking lot? Like all, you know, was it crazy cars in the parking lot? Not really. I remember the first person to get a nice car was Charlie. He got a BMW his senior year. I had a 1973 powder blue Chevy Nova, the same Chevy Nova that Axel Foley drove in the first Beverly Hills Cop. (laughs) The same exact year, same car. I was like, that is my vehicle. Um, And it's the same same color. So I had that. Um, I don't remember the cars being super, you know, super flashy or anything like that. Money wasn't a big, I don't think there was a lot of money back then. Um, I think it's gotten more expensive to be in that area now, but it was, it wasn't such a, a, a big money thing car. I mean, like going over to Calabasas high school would be a lot more nice cars than there were. Sure. But Charlie did have a BMW. That might've been, that might've been part of the trouble. <laughs> I, got that BMW. Like, I think things might've turned a little. I hear you, dude. <laughs> well, Dean, you, you're well, you're the man. You're just a good dude. I appreciate you. You're just uh, you're just a fucking good dude. I always say, I always say, Dean Kane, one of the nicest guys. Just a good person. That's what, right. Right before we got on here, he's like, God, Dean's just. I'm really excited because he's just a good dude. <laughs> like at the end of the day, he's just a good dude. You know, it's funny as I try to be a nice person and I'm open and affable and try to be friendly to everybody. But you wouldn't know that by reading my Twitter feed. Good lord, <laughs> God, people have so much hate. Why are you? Why do you hate me so much? I made a joke about having a mask on for the whole flight. I, I've taken ten flights in June, so I've been cross country tons. And I made a joke. I had. To, I said I've been flying all over the country today with this mask, breathing in my own CO two. I think it. And I started misspelling words. I think I may be uh, Dane Bramaged. So I was making a joke. People are trying to eviscerate me, turning that into some political statement. Like you need to wear a mask. Wear a mask. And I'm like. I'm wearing a mask in the picture. <laughs> I was just yeah. joking about having to have it on. It's not comfortable on a flight. I don't care what you say. It's just not. And I just, like I said, I've taken 10 flights, you know, but like people are like going after me. Like I'm like, I'm trying to murder babies. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I just was making a joke. It's not a joke. You were already brain damaged because you support Trump. I'm like, Oh gosh. Okay. Here we go. Uh. Block, block, <laughs> block. Uh, but, oh, but you know, man. it's, it's crazy. Uh, hard thing. I feel bad for the kids who are coming out nowadays and are on social media because everything I, – I, I, I have the conversation with my son all the time. I'm like, just don't just stay away from this. Don't touch this. Don't do anything. You know, just – and don't engage. So many things. I don't want that. I understand what my dad said to me when I said I was going to be an actor. Don't do it. 
you know, you don't want your kid in the in the limelight because they become a target. That's bad. You want to protect them. Thank you again, Dean. You've been awesome. Love your view on just the world and your career. And you've had such a fascinating life. And so thank you for, you know, taking a little bit of time and spending with us. I think, you know, like Adam said earlier, we like to just pull back the curtain on Hollywood. And I feel like you gave a pretty good perspective. Anytime. I appreciate being on, guys. So rock and roll. Uh, Call me up next time and or text me or whatever it is i'd be happy to be on uh i enjoy it i enjoy talking about the world and things follow him on social media he's a good follow he's interesting he's always uh it's like a news feed it's great it's great dean thank you so much brother see you soon buddy he's a good dude but uh dax thank you thank you uh to dean kane uh follow him on social media he's just a good dude and he's always he's constantly working he's constantly hustling so uh Dean Kane, good guy. Uh, you can find me at, at Adam Glenn on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can follow the Hollywood Raw podcast on TikTok. We are on TikTok. TikTok. We uh, we missed the Instagram thing, so we're going right to TikTok. We're going to the next page. You know what, though? I'm having fun with TikTok. TikTok is great. I, I, I'm enjoying it. Like I'm actually having more fun on TikTok than Instagram. And if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a long time, I shit all over TikTok at the beginning, making fun of Adam for being on TikTok <laughs> and how I'm like, I am not on TikTok. I'm having so much fun. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, da- follow, you know, find and follow Hollywood Raw on TikTok. You can find Dax Holt at Dax Holt. Thank you to uh, Stork Media and Parkville Me- uh, Stork and Parkville Media. And thank you to Primetime Signatures. Make sure you check them out at Autograph City, the Facebook page. It's a fun page. And we'll talk Talk to you guys later.